0: You're listening to The Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren, the podcast by estheticians, for estheticians, and those who seek to learn about their own skin from a professional's perspective. We're diving into our whys as licensed skincare therapists, sharing in our career journeys, and separating the gimmicks from the real heroes in skincare. Welcome to The Treatment Room. Hi everybody, welcome back to The Treatment Room. Today I am doing an episode, and by I, I I'm Tess. I'm without Lauren, but I have a very special guest today. Her name is Jackie. Some of you know her from my YouTube channel, and she is the owner of Glow & Go Beauty Co. And Jackie, I'll let you introduce yourself and tell them a little bit about the services you
1: offer. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Tess, for having me on the podcast today. I am the owner of Glow & Go Beauty Co., and I offer free tanning, lash extensions, lash lifts, and brow lamination. Jackie and I
0: met in school. We met in beauty school at Skyline College, which is in San Bruno, if anybody is familiar with the Bay Area. Jackie, let's just, let's start from the From the beginning, I know you originally were enrolled at a normal four-year
1: college. Mm -hmm.
0: Tell us a little bit about that and how you decided to pursue something else and how you decided on Skyline.
1: Well, like Tess said, I was in a four-year college and my financial circumstances changed. I was kind of in a pickle And I had already been working in the beauty industry for some supplemental income while going to school. I was a spray tan artist at a salon. And upon this hardship, I decided to enroll myself in beauty school at night. At the time, it was something I was already interested in, and it was something that I could afford while I could not afford my four-year college anymore. And I chose Skyline in particular because I had a friend that had just gone through the program the semester prior.
0: Okay, and are you willing to talk about, like, what you mean by hardship?
1: Yeah, so um, I had a death in the family, and it just kind of changed the financial situation and what was prioritized. So unfortunately, whereas my education was being funded by my family, it was no longer going to be funded by my family. So I had to come to the difficult decision. Am I going to accumulate the student debt and pursue therapy, which is what I was studying to do, or do I want to work in something similar that still helps people feel better about themselves and is a similar objective and something I'm still interested in at a lesser cost.
0: Okay. So you were comparing the cost of four-year school, which was a private school. And I know that school is expensive versus Skyline where where we went. And I know aesthetic schools can be expensive, but Skyline was, I would say pretty affordable and you could opt for financial aid so, you decided that would be an option you'd be more comfortable with. Was it hard for you to kind of just, you know, forget that idea of
1: going to a four year and pursue something else? Did you struggle with that? Well, I came to the decision actually, I was bartering services. Like I mentioned, I was already a spray tan technician in college, and I was bartering services with a lash technician. I was getting my lashes done. She was getting tans done. And I had no idea the cost or price point of lashes in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I remember just getting my lashes done, venting to her about my family issues, my financial issues, everything that was going on in my life at the time. And after the session, I felt so much better. And on my way out, somebody else had come in. And asked for a quote for the pricing. And when I heard the price in my mind, I thought, "Wow, that is literally the cost of a therapy session. This mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do." Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the final cherry on top that made my decision. And I truly feel that what I do is very similar to therapy. It's just in a different way. So I really don't have any regrets about not fulfilling my four-year college education. I love what I do and I really feel that it was the path I was meant to take. It wasn't that this was a fallback and that I'm sad I didn't get to continue pursuing what I did. I think I was meant to do this. I think you were too. You are, I've never seen anybody more
0: meant to do anything and you have so much drive. So I'm so happy you stumbled upon it. It's crazy how life just kind of works out and- I feel like it, it totally is therapy and it's almost like therapy without the pressure of therapy. Like people come in, they feel comfortable with you. Jackie's so unapologetically herself. So I feel like being around her and just the environment she sets, you feel, you automatically feel very comfortable and at ease. And I'm sure you can attest to this Jackie, but the the things people will tell you on the treatment room table, it's, you know, things you would, probably talk about with a therapist. People are very open with their aestheticians a lot of the times once you develop that relationship and it's really something something special.
1: Yeah. I even think that it takes it a step further. I think that I'm also able to share a bit about me with my clients as well. And I love that too. I think it's a two-way street where mm-hmm. I, sometimes I feel in therapy it's very much more listening in a Uh one-on-one conversation. So I really do love doing my services and having that two-way connection with my clients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's with
0: our generation of estheticians where we have, you know, the opportunity for social media and kind of letting people into our lives a little bit, I know like traditional estheticians used to feel like it really wasn't about you. It was about, you know, making, um, giving your client the spotlight and really not saying much, but I agree. I kind of see that shift happening and I think people kind of want to know their therapist. Um, And with you, I feel like people come to you for a reason, right? You feel like um, you offer something different in being yourself and having that personal relationship and even like in your tagline XOXO Jackie like it's very casual um, and it just kind of I kind of see the rules changing so let's talk about like where this all started for you and kind of give them a whole background of from from school to taking over Brown Sugar, where you were the manager, to where your business is now.
1: What was that process like? It was a lot of surprises. Um, Like I had mentioned, I already knew that I wanted to go into lashing when I started school. So right when I started school, I had already started to take classes in lashing. I was lashing before I was licensed. I would say even before... I got my license. I had a job tied down. I got reached out on LinkedIn to work at a lab studio. I accepted the job, I would say, within a couple days of receiving my license. I was already training and working there. I already had previous training, like I mentioned. So that was a very swift transition. I had kept My job that I had already been working at in college, which was spray tanning, and I had, over time, became the manager, and I was working two jobs post-school. Half the time, I was doing lashes in one city, and half the time, I was doing tans in another city, managing one salon, and then kind of working at the bottom at another salon. I'm not going to lie. It was a little (laughs) Difficult switching roles, like being the boss sure. at one place and then being the new girl at another place. But I think it uh-huh. gave me a lot of perspective on how to be a better business owner in the long run. And how to I don't have employees yet, but in the future, how to have employees, how it feels to be an employee, how it feels to be an employer. Um shortly thereafter, like I said, I was going through some financial hardships. I had told my boss at the tanning salon that I needed more supplemental income, and it was a small business. So I knew that wasn't realistic. So Mm -hmm. I told her, Well, how about for the first couple months, I work trade for one of the rooms in the salon? I'm here all the time anyway it would bring in more people and please just give me the chance to dip my feet in. It wouldn't cost you anything, but it would mean a lot to me. It was, has like endless value to me. So she agreed, which I am so fortunate for. Upon that, I quit my job at the last studio and I started taking clients at the standing salon that I was managing. Fast forward Um, a year and some change, she decided to close that salon permanently, and she gave me the book of business.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay, so, and so, Brown Sugar is no more. You had that entire base of clients that you could potentially—you had the freedom to convert into Glow and Go Beauty Co. clients, which is such a wild situation. It's—I'm sure it's like. A lot of people's dream come true to kind of have this entire client base come over. What is the process from, have you seen like brown sugar tanning clients turn over to lash clients?
1: Yes, I would actually say I had more lash clients turn over to tanning clients. However, I have seen it go both ways.
0: And where did, when you were first kind of getting your base of clients, where, like, did you have one person that kind of kicked everything off? Did a few come to you at once? Where did they come from?
1: I would say if I could do it all over again, I would have not opened my own practice so far from where I was already practicing. Um, The tanning salon and the lash studio are 30 miles away. So When I left, only a small, small handful of my clients followed me, but a small handful was still better than nothing. And I'm so grateful that they did follow me. And from there, I had a couple existing tanning clients. I had worked at the salon for five years. I had a couple of tanning clients that I offered lash bills to. They are bloggers. I offered them one fill in exchange for one post. I did not offer them long-term advertisement or contract, Mm -hmm. anything like that. And um, I knew that they were already getting lashes. They agreed. And from there, just word of mouth, spread like wildfire. It went from one person to another person to another person. So I would really say social media is how I got my clientele. Um, influencers definitely helped. And also hashtags. I was very, very hesitant to hashtag. I always kind of thought it was tacking. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely not the case. The second that I got rid of that misconception in my mind, I got so many clients from hashtags. Hashtags meant more clients in my industry than Yelp reviews did. Because people wanted to see the work.
0: Okay. I think that's really interesting. And I feel like that's still kind of a belief that people think, you know, hashtags are, they, because they can look a little bit messy. Yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> I, honestly, I think it's a really big missed opportunity. Were there certain hashtags that you
1: used? Yeah. I actually recommend changing your hashtags frequently. And you want to use hashtags that are smaller. A lot of the times people use hashtags that are big, like hashtag beauty or Mm. hashtag hashtag eyelash extensions. The more people use that hashtag, the more in a black hole you sink. And I think that a lot of times people think, wow, a lot of people see this. But the second you refresh, you're already down at the bottom. So you want to use hashtags where you're going to stay at the top longer, which are generally less used hashtags. So be specific. For example, hashtag San Francisco Lash Artist would get me more exposure than just hashtag Lash Artist.
0: So true. Yeah, I think just niching down in general, it I think it really is the way to go and to specialize. And it's just a way of, targeting people. I know you've also used things like Instagram
1: ads. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that Instagram ads can be a really great platform for advertising. Like I said, I'm a big fan of Instagram in today's day and age with our industry. I do think that it's important to understand kind of the hashtag system before advertising It will help your advertisement go one step further. I also recommend with advertising on Instagram that you also narrow down your niche. There is a setting where you can pick your own audience versus Instagram's picked audience. And I definitely recommend creating your own audience.
0: Okay. And maybe targeting things like women Mm
1: -hmm. or a certain age group. Correct. Mm -hmm. So you also have to keep in mind the audience that's on Instagram itself are generally clients that are no more than 37, I would say, is the general rule of thumb. Of course, there are people that are older than 37 that use Instagram, but a majority is under 37. So I try to target that niche.
0: Got it. Okay. And, and when you were first starting your Instagram, Jackie, did you have a vision for it? Did you did you have branding in mind? Or were you just kind of thinking, I'm going to start posting clients or lashes, for example?
1: I have always been a big fan of pink and palm trees. So (laughs) (laughs) I made that my brand. I've always wanted that I think it's So cute and timeless. I love it. I think it's girly, but still happy. I just love it. So I stuck with that. Unfortunately, when I left the last studio that I was working at, there was a big disagreement of whether or not I could continue using the photos. So I had to start my portfolio from scratch. So I did not get to use any of my existing client photos. And I want to tell you that if you're in the same boat as I was, it will be fine. It, it brought me to tears knowing I couldn't use any of those photos that I had accumulated, but I was fine. Of course. And I feel
0: like you are such a survivor and just being one of your best friends. And it's so interesting seeing you as a business person and, and knowing you personally, because of course, like I received those, like, you know text when you're really having a hard time and hitting those walls that any business owner would have to go through Mm -hmm. But, but I but then I see you on the other side I see you on social media I see how you you know keep keep calm and keep your image a certain way and you just always like have the philosophy that the show will go on it always does but I know it hasn't been easy can you talk about like some of the struggles you've had to go through as a business owner some of some of the hardest things that you've had to face
1: yeah i think that for many business owners definitely just starting off is finding a place that you can afford to even do your craft in the first place especially knowing that it's going to take some time to build up the clientele to afford that space So that was definitely a concern, but my biggest advice is just to dive in. It will all work out. Um, Another big hardship that I faced was moving. So what happened actually recently with the tanning salon that I was managing closing is that salon had been there for over 10 years and the lease ended In San Francisco, the leases now are incredibly high. It's the most expensive city in the United States. And my boss, the reason why I managed that business is because she is the wife of a Coast Guard. And they got relocated from West Coast to East Coast. And he was deployed at the time of this skyrocketed lease. So... She couldn't come out here to help me look for different salon spaces to move her, which also includes me, my business elsewhere. So she came to the very difficult decision within days of the increase that she was going to close permanently. And it was a really stressful time for me. I was kind of in this limbo like, okay, well, am I going to move with you? Are you moving? Where are we moving? Is it realistic for me? I need to go somewhere separate so what ended up happening is I found somewhere to rent just for my own lash practice I had no intentions of doing tanning at all and I thought we were going to go our separate ways I couldn't stop for a couple months I had to keep going and she was going to close for a couple months and reopen and we just ended up making a last minute decision that she wasn't going to close and reopen. She was going to close and I was going to take them at my new spot. So every, every industry has their little last minute fiascos that really just turn into blessings. So I'm a firm firm believer that when most of lemons make lemonade and it turns out the lemonade is really good sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I remember
0: you texting me when you found out that, you know, they were raising the rents and it just caught caught you and the previous owner totally off guard. It was like a bomb was dream- being dropped on you and you had, like, you know, days to figure out your new situation or it was like this whole new business you had built um, was all going to go away. And I feel like when I was talking talking to you as a friend, that was kind of the fear, right?
1: Yeah, I remember you telling me, this is a blessing in disguise. It's going to be great in the long run. And me just taking everything in me not to start typing my thumbs vigorously back. at you. Yeah. <laughs> What does that possibly mean? This is awful. Like my career is coming to an end. This is horrible. I can't believe this is happening. And I kid you not it's insane how things change even in a week two weeks a month um crazy so you were right (laughs) i i was right because i know you're a survivor and Mm -hmm. i
0: just i knew jackie's the kind of person who like if you put a challenge in front of her if you take something away like she will figure out how to do what she wants to do move forward and Being a business owner, it's a big responsibility. I mean, some some people can do what you do. Some people are, you know, better off working for somebody else and they can kill it that way. But when we're talking about being a business owner and things you've learned from past jobs, being on both ends as an employer and an employee, what kind of stood out to you in your mind that you think really makes for a great Boss.
1: I think really just putting yourself in the shoes of all roles, really being well rounded. I have always tried to put myself in the shoes of my employees. I remember being in the shoes of an employee that sometimes didn't feel great, and other times I was like, wow, I can implement this at the salon that I manage. I think that just really trying to see all sides of the square will help you run a business more effectively. I have taken notes from Cherish, things that she likes and dislikes. I've taken notes from employees, what they like and dislike. Cherish is my former boss. Um, I took notes at lash Studio, what I liked and didn't like, what my coworkers liked and didn't like. So Really just trying to see all perspectives. Also clients, of course, put yourself in their shoes as well. I love
0: that. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the services
1: you offer right now. Okay. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) Okay. So tell me, what is on your menu? Um, What do you offer?
1: So right now I offer eyelash extensions. I also offer organic spray tanning. I offer brow lamination, which is a newer trend, and then I also offer lash lifts as well. Okay. And how have you decided
0: to take on some of the newer services since you've done extensions for a while? Why did you decide to branch out to things like brow
1: lamination and lash lifts? Well, I have been doing eyelash extensions In San Francisco for a bit over a year. I thought that it was time that I introduced new services. This brow lamination is a newer trend, and I really wanted to get ahead of it, and I love it. So I wanted to do that, and I came to the realization you can do lash looks very easily at the same time. I also wanted to offer an alternative to clients that weren't the biggest. Fans or ideal candidates for eyelash extensions. I had some clients that had some allergies or it just wasn't ideal for their lifestyle. So I really wanted to offer a substitute for that. And my mother's actually one of the clients who isn't a great candidate for extensions. She does not react well to the adhesive, but she's a great candidate for lash lifts. So a little bit of that. And I had promised I would start offering these services to my clients in February, starting March. And this was before all of the tanning salon melodrama happened. (laughs) And I remember being really overwhelmed come March because I was moving. I I had promised everybody I was going to start offering new services. I didn't want to start offering services just to acquire new clients and then move. I also then got thrown an additional service, which was the tanning. So um, really, <laughs> I think that I expanded very quickly, unknowingly, just given the circumstances, but it ended up working out. And luckily, I had been tanning for years. It's actually the first beauty service that I ever learned. So that was pretty easy breezy for me and the other two once I settled in I started offering them and things have been great I think that the biggest war is in your mind Mm -hmm. so it all worked out okay
0: as far as having a war in your mind like what do you mean are you do you feel like there's just so much going on are you talking about criticism
1: not so much criticism I think just more overwhelming and feeling Potentially, you had just signed yourself up for more than you can deliver, Mm -hmm. and almost doubting yourself. I think a lot of time as a business owner, you doubt yourself Am I doing this right? Did I do this too fast? Am I even going to be good at this? Is this going to fail? There's a lot of fear and failing in every single step of being a business owner, but honestly, just tackle it, give it your best go, and What's meant to stick sticks, and things often turn out way better than you expected. And a lot of it is just in your mind, the self-doubt. And I think that's the hardest part for me. I think sometimes I get in my head too much, where it's just, just do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. It's. I think every esthetician has those, you know, certain modalities or services that they don't. They get a little nervous about when they see them on their books. It, it might be something you just you haven't done as many times. So honestly, I agree. It's just like the power of repetition, doing things over and over again until you have that confidence. Was it kind of like that when you were doing lash laminations and lash or sorry, brow laminations and lash lifts? Was it did you feel this pressure because you hadn't had a ton of experience doing it yet?
1: I will be the first to admit, I oftentimes, especially in hiring, I will read a resume and I will see fast learner, fast learner, fast learner. And I am not a fast learner. No. I would never have considered myself a fast learner. I actually learn very slowly, but once I learn something, I feel I learn it very well I was this way when I started tanning. I gave awful tans for months and months and months and months. They had told me that nobody wanted this long training. I was very down on myself. Um, and then with lash extensions, I felt that the girls around me were picking it up in minutes, and it had taken me months and months and months. So when I started learning lash lamp, the brow lamination, and lash lifts, I was afraid it was going to take me some time to get really good at it and to my surprise I picked it up very quickly and maybe it's just because I have so much experience doing eyelash extensions which I find to be a little bit more tedious and difficult than the other two just because of the craftsmanship that's required um I didn't find it challenging to introduce it. I really did not
0: i can totally relate, and I feel like that all the time. And it's so easy to look at other people around you and feel like you know they were just you know born with a natural gift for something. But I think that's a great message to people who are aspiring to become estheticians or current estheticians just because you don't you know come out of school being the best waxer or you know the best at facial massage it doesn't mean you can't do it by any means as long as you're willing to put in the hard work and that's something I've always noticed about you Jackie even even with things like tests at school I feel like you would you were one of the few people who took it you took studying really seriously you would put in the time and you would almost always like get amazing scores, like 100% A A pluses. And yeah, I think it's just very apparent how diligent you are. And I'm sure, I'm sure that pays off in your services because it's, these are services you just, you need the focus and you need to be very precise.
1: Thank you. I always have this saying, the day you think that you've mastered something is the day you stopped mastering it.
0: So- I love that. I feel like that needs to, we need to make t-shirts or a t-shirt, so. <laughs> <laughs> little hashtag. Um, amazing. Okay. Well, as far as okay, somebody would want to be in your shoes. Let's say, let's say somebody wants to be a lash artist because I know a lot of people who subscribe to me are interested in going to your page to learn more about lash extensions. What do you think are a few qualities that make a really great lash artist?
1: As somebody that's super impatient, I'm going to say patience. <laughs> yeah. Um, it does require a lot of patience. You have to stick with it. Repetition, you have to be able to do the same thing time after time after time. And doing lash extensions is not a quick service at all. It takes hours for some technicians. And just knowing that you're going to get better, it gets really frustrating. There were so many times where I just wanted to throw my tweezers at the (laughs) truck and say, I'm done with this. This is so hard. This is so tedious. This is not worth my time. I'm wasting hours. And then they open their eyes and you're like, well, I did that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like painting your own little work of art. Yeah, and it's rewarding seeing the client's reaction to something you just did with your mm-hmm. own hands. It's the best feeling in the world.
0: I love that. Okay, is what would you say? That's your favorite part of the job? Kind of like seeing the end result.
1: I would say definitely seeing the end result. And also, I feel like every time I see a client, it's the next episode. So uh, Mm. almost almost the bond as well. Mm -hmm. The bond with the client is really my favorite part. Um, The clients themselves as people is my favorite. But also seeing somebody get a smile on their face from An artistry, an artistic talent that I provided is a really good feeling too. Just I love that. Yeah, people feel more confident. Yeah, about themselves after seeing me. That was what I wanted to achieve when studying therapy, and I feel that I'm achieving that in beauty.
0: Yes, and I feel like people come to you because they have that special bond with you and yeah you totally are yourself and i feel like a really great takeaway from you and your business is that consistency of branding and i mean even it's funny cuz i feel like i'm kind of like the mom of <laughs> of our friend group like i since jackie's younger i feel like i'm always watching out for her i'm like if she swears on her social media, I'm like, Jackie, like <laughs> you know, like oh, relax. <laughs> I know. But it's like you just are hundred percent yourself and your brand is an extension of your personality. So I really as much as I try to mother you, I feel like that's really great part of a business to to infuse your personality and make it that much more unique
1: definitely. And I would say that that's a really big highlight of being a business owner. I think sometimes as an employee, you kind of feel a little cookie cutter, like you have mm-hmm. to live up to the expectation and almost the, the aura and ambiance of the business owner and business itself. But having your own clean slate and palette to be you is a great feeling. I
0: love that. Okay. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about like rules of lash extensions, lash maintenance. What are a few things you tend to advise for at home care and helping your clients maintain the, the artwork that you've just put on their faces so
1: carefully? So I always like to tell my clients, and I'm sure this is something that you can relate to with facials, is that keeping this service the best to its ability after you walk out my door takes teamwork. It is partially on me and it's partially on the client to have this be the best result possible. And what I mean by that is I'll provide you the good service but please provide the care after you leave here and the care in specific for lash extensions. I advise 48 hours before clients get their lashes wet. I know a lot of technicians only advise 24 hours. I think that the extra time helps. So that's what I advise. I advise washing lashes with a lash cleanser. I advise brushing them daily. I also advise using oil-free mascara, eyeliner, and remover, if any, and just not avoiding them. I think that is the biggest flaw is a lot of times clients are not educated on how to maintain their lashes, and they're almost afraid to maintain their lashes. Mm. So definitely don't be afraid of coming into contact with your eyes, please clean the eye area it definitely helps the client get the best results out of something that they just paid for I want them to get the best results out of something that they just paid me to do and also it makes my job easier when I see them again
0: when somebody has not taken care of their lashes what are things you notice or when they come from an artist who hasn't done their job well what do you notice
1: so when somebody is not cleaning or brushing their lashes properly you can see buildup you can see buildup of makeup you can see buildup of eye crust you can see it looks different on everybody depending on what area they are not totally doing I have seen, you know, buildup of black, which would be mascara or eyeliner. I have seen buildup of yellow, which would be lack of cleaning. Sometimes you will see fans close, which is an indication that they're not being washed thoroughly and that the oils are closing them. So it looks different depending on what TLC isn't quite being met. But in terms of doing lash removals, what do I see? Lash technicians doing quote quote wrong is you will see multiple natural lashes glued under one extension, or you'll see multiple extensions glued onto one natural lash. You will see crazy things. <laughs> I have seen crazy things. I have seen crazy things. I have seen nail glue used on eyelashes. It's oh, you'll see eyelash extensions glued way too close to the lid on the lid um I have seen eyelash extensions that were applied upside down <laughs> oh my goodness you've
0: seen it you've seen it all can you tell when the supplies are really poor quality yes is there a difference in like lashes you source versus some of the uh, cheaper options out there
1: definitely I I have seen lashes that have been more accessible. For example, I think that a lot of times people are under the misconception that the individual clusters that you can get at Walgreens or CVS or Mm -hmm. drugstore is what eyelash extensions are. And that's not the case. Even pre-made fans, which do exist in the eyelash extension world, are not that. Those are eyelash extensions. A lot of eyelash extension technicians make their own fans, which basically means that they by hand will group thinner lashes together to make a blossoming fan looking eyelash extension. There's also classic lashes, which are one-to-one. Another misconception is that the fans are made with classic extensions and they're not the same. So eyelash extension fans are made with thinner lashes that have a smaller diameter and weigh less that you can combine to make, combine more of to make a fan. Whereas classic are a thicker diameter and are intended to be one-to-one. The two are not intended to be mixed. Got it. And if somebody was just going out
0: on their own and they were looking for the supplies that you're talking about, what are some sources for finding them?
1: There are so many different reputable lash extension companies. I Just to name a couple of the bigger name, Lash Anarchist, DeForboletta. Um, just to name a few. I use Balm Diggity or Lash Balm Glue. I think that their glue is amazing. Just really kind of playing around with different lashes too. Of course, always use a reliable source, but kind of find what you like best. Really the the beautiful thing about doing lashes is the artistry behind it. So it's kind of up to you what lashes you feel like look the best on your client and your client will reciprocate that love.
0: Amazing. Okay. A few more questions before we wrap it up really quickly. Could you take us through what a normal day in the life of Jackie is like?
1: Sure. I <laughs> will be brutally honest. Please <laughs> be honest. Okay, so I wake up in the morning. I make myself a cup of coffee that for some reason takes me so long to do. If <laughs> <laughs> so you guys follow,
0: follow Jackie's Insta stories, which you should, and we will link all of her
1: socials below, but she's been in a fight with her coffee maker for <laughs> a little while now. I swear I could sit with the same cup of coffee for like three hours and not even realize it. But I get my coffee every morning. Um, I walk my dog every morning. And I do not eat breakfast. I don't like breakfast. I do recommend you guys eat breakfast. I don't recommend doing lashes on just coffee. You will get shaky hands. I don't get shaky hands. I've been living this diet for years. So I do that. And then I take my first client at around 10 or 11. I am a night owl. I'm not a morning person, Um, which is the beauty of having your own schedule. And I go to work, take my first few clients. I give myself a lunch. I've been really hard on myself about giving myself a lunch. It's so important. I know that there are days I don't do it and I'm just struggling to get five almonds in my stomach, but. I try to get a smoothie or a sandwich or a salad, something to hold me over for the rest of the day. Then I go home and I eat my bigger dinner. I spend some time with my dog again. (laughs) We love him. We love Toby. We love Toby. And, And then I try to do some work from home, which what that looks like is I... Look into hashtags. I do my research on, um, you know, have my hashtags now been overused? Have they been removed? I also look at other people's social medias. I do planally, I plan out my posts and plan out my descriptions for my posts. And then I just unwind. I relax. (laughs) and how many clients would you
0: say you take in a typical day
1: it depends on the day I do not ever like to take more than eight but I would say that my average would be five or six that's a lot each person is what one or two hours I was gonna say it also depends on if they're fills or full sets or tans or how long the service is I can take more fills than I can full sets. And of course, I can take more tans than I can lashes or brows. So it also depends on the service. Okay. I would would say I like to be in service for ideally six hours a day, but no more than eight hours a day.
0: No, I, I have to cut Jackie off and I have to tell her she needs a day off every now and then. She needs to take her lunch because That burnout is a real thing, right, Jackie?
1: Yeah, it is. And I know that a lot of lash technicians, and if this works for you, this works for you, um, will work 12-hour days, but they'll only do it three times a week. That doesn't work for me, and that doesn't work for my lifestyle. I do go home during my lunch. I take my lunches at home, and I let my dog out (laughs) during my lunch. So I, I like having that shorter day with the lunch in the middle, more days a week. But mm-hmm. like I said, the good thing about being your own business owners, you can set your own hours and kind of tailor that to what works for you. But yes, I need to give myself a day off. <laughs>
0: yes. Okay, last question. 3 pieces or elements of your Lush studio that you think really make it cute and stand out and instagrammy
1: well I just moved but what I'm working on is I have this faux hedge square that I just put up on the wall myself and I'm proud of it um <laughs> I'm going to get a neon sign that says the glow up is real so as you guys know my business name is go Beauty Co. I thought this was kind of a cute, trendy, little, little sloggy, Instagram-y cuteness. (laughs) I'm proud of that. I also put up pink curtains in addition to my existing palm leaf curtains. I think that those really tie in my branding. And I also have a palm tree as well. And I have a pink bed, kind of My accessory is pink bed. I have a pink stool to get on my bed. I have a pink fan, pink wands. So I just try to stick with my color palette in my room. And I think that's what makes it trendy. And I think that's what makes it unique and on brand.
0: Yeah, it makes it cohesive. Anytime I see something pink or palm tree, I always tag Jackie because it's just, I see that now and I immediately resonate it with her brand. Thank you. Of course.
1: Thank you,
0: Jackie. I think I've talked your ear off, but we so appreciate you coming on the podcast and we'll have to have you back soon for round two. What is your business Instagram handle? Where can people find you and book with you? It's
1: at glow and go Go com.
0: Okay. And we'll put it in the show notes as well. If anybody is in the Bay area or San Francisco, and they want to come see Jackie. And we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you. Bye bye.